Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Did you catch the video of Senator Ron Johnson on Capitol Hill yesterday on the election malfeasance hearing? Total beast mode. If there were modes, non-beast mode and beast mode, Senator Johnson switched on beast mode. Like, is there a beast mode switch? Is there a gavel for beast mode? Going beast mode in three, two, one. He is the chairman. Beast mode time is on. <laughs> if you haven't seen you've probably seen it because it's been around a little bit. I'm going to play that video, but I want to add to it with another piece on town hall by the great Kurt Schlichter um, talking about basically the new rules. What are the new rules? If you're an older listener of the show, not older in chronological age, but you've been with us for a long time, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Forgive me for the deep rest today, ladies and gentlemen. I'm very sorry, but the chemo hiccups were back last night. I've got like loads of pharmaceuticals here to get me through it. So we may have to edit the Hades out of this show today. Uh, again, so that's the deep breath. So please bear with me. I appreciate your patience. Uh, let me get right to it. Today's show brought to you by ExpressVPN. Ladies and gentlemen, protect your online activity from prying eyeballs today. Get a VPN. Go to expressvpn.com slash Bongino. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Fine, sir. Well, Mr. Bongino, I'm doing very well and ready to go, go, go. How was that? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Joe knows I'm like rushing him through the beginning. I, I'm, and folks, as I always say, I feel good. So don't worry about I appreciate all your emails. You all are awesome, but I feel good. It's just the hiccups, obviously, when you're in a broadcasting business, turn into a big deal. And if you think the chemo hiccups are like some fairy tale, mm. go go to your search engine. Put them in there. I had them yesterday. What do you think, Paula? 12 hours? 12. If I took about, if I showed you how many pharmaceuticals, I can't say this enough. The waste products from my body, if you could distill the pharmaceuticals, they're probably worth about a hundred grand. And then what I do is a few days after the chemo in week two, I sweat it all out and you feel good. So one more cycle to go. I feel all right, but I got a loaded show today, including some huge updates on this Hunter Biden case on another angle of this story about Hunter Biden hmm. that people in the mainstream media have entirely missed. You're not going to want to miss that either. Okay, today's show brought to you by friends at ZipRecruiter. Businesses have had to be flexible this year, from working remotely to pivoting their business models for long-term survival and growth. That's important. Folks, that matters. Restaurants are moving their dining outdoors and adding takeout and catering. Some consumer packaged goods companies have shifted to focus more on surface cleaners or personal hygiene products. We've had to ship a lot of books instead of doing book signings because the book signings were shut down. Major retailers are now selling face masks. If you're in charge of hiring for your business, these pivots have made your job even more challenging, especially if you have to hire for brand new roles. Thankfully, there's one place you can always count on to make hiring both faster and easier. No downside to that. ZipRecruiter.com slash Bongino is where you go. When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, it gets sent to over 100 top job boards with one click. It's that simple. Then ZipRecruiter's powerful technology finds people with the right skills and experience for your job and actively invites them to apply. It's no wonder that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a, a quality candidate when? What, a week? Two weeks? No, within the first day. The first day. See for yourself. Try it out right now. Go to ZipRecruiter, uh, ZipRecruiter.com slash Bongino for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Bongino, B-O-N-G-I-N-O. Let ZipRecruiter take hiring off your plate so you can focus on growing your business. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Bongino today. Don't wait. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Thanks, ZipRecruiter. All right, producer Joe. It is. Let's go, daddy-o. I do that daddy-o in the end to make sure we had a, uh, the uh, the Joe Bell work. We didn't have to resort to the Kenny <laughs> Bell today. Been wearing the Kenny Bell out a little bit. Kenny, Kenny gave me this cool wrench to hit the bell. I don't know if you saw that. All it's right, I, we got to yeah. switch back to me. I don't know. Yeah, we see new technology. We're still working on the whole remote thing. She's used to getting up and bouncing around at the new thing. I know, I know. She's been helping me out last night. Um, she had it because I couldn't stop. Uh, so when you when you get these dreaded chemo hiccups, you can't sleep. So you go like you sleep like two hours, and then you roll over, and this massive hiccup wakes you up. So Paula's had to like slam me on the back. It's the only thing that works. It's the weirdest thing. And can I say one more thing? I mean, not to, listen, I don't want to talk about that. It really, it, I'm fine. I feel good. Don't you worry about me. But for those of you out there, God forbid, who have cancer or one day, I hope it never happens to you, but do. You know, everyone's experience with, with cancer is, um, is different, but you learn little tricks. So I was talking to, I'm not name dropping here because it's stupid, but I was talking to Hannity yesterday about something totally different on the phone. 
And Sean's like, Dan, I've been in the broadcasting business most of my adult life. Hiccups are, that's it. You're done, right, Joe? You can't go on the radio with hiccups. Joe's been in it 30 years. You got the hiccups. You can't talk. So he, on TV, it's even worse. So he goes, I I learned, and and everybody's given me like a thousand tips. Some work, some don't suck on a lemon wedge or whatever. Sean says, Dan, bend over at the waist like you're trying to touch your toes. Take a glass of water and drink the water bent over from the top of the glass rather than the bottom. Ladies and gentlemen, I, 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 I was going to say something, but I can't go. I hit you not. You can fill in. I'm not kidding. It worked. Weirdest thing ever. Try it. Bend over. Go like this. And drink the water from the top of the glass. It worked. Now they came back an hour later, but it gave me an hour of peace. And that's all I needed to get some Z's to go to Lily White's party, as my mom used to say. All right, get into the show because we got important stuff to cover. <laughs> so I just feel like you all have lived this life with me. And I enjoy the fact that you know as much about me. I run into you in malls and people are like, hey, how are the chemo hiccups? And I forget sometimes I have this show. I'm like, how'd you know that? I feel like it's a real honor to be in your home. And you just, you know, you deserve to know what's going on. It means a lot to me. If I'm a little loopy, it's just because I took a muscle relaxer. So if I pass out on the air and start talking funny, I literally just took it. The bottle's right here. And what is it? Wait, hold on. Let's read this. (laughs) Hold on. On the air. (laughs) Here it is. May make you drowsy or dizzy. Check with doctor before drinking alcohol. Use care when operating a vehicle, vessel, or other machines. And definitely don't do a podcast after t- I'm just kidding. That's not on. There. But I added that at the end. So we'll see how this goes. The medication. This is the medicated show with Dan Bongino. It's important. It's a, I can't. If the, the, the hiccups were done. All right. So this Hunter uh, Biden thing is really, on a very serious note, is getting worse. And there's an angle a lot of folks in the mainstream media are missing because they're liberal, they're activists, and they're not in any way eager to do actual journalism if it hurts Democrats. That's all. We already know that. There's no big secret there. It's not like Joe's going to have a heart attack that we said that. Folks, we need a special counsel immediately. Donald Trump cannot leave office without appointing a special counsel to investigate Hunter Biden. Them's the rules, folks. That's what they said, Joe, right? When there's a conflict of interest, like Jeff Sessions' fake conflict of interest when he was the attorney general for President Trump, Mm -hmm. the rules where we need a special counsel. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll go into this next with the Ron Johnson segment. The new rules apply. I'm not interested in your Robert's rules of order because you Democrats stuck it to us and made up new rules. So now we're going to take your new rules and shove them down your gullet. The new rules are special counsels are A-OK. I'm down with that. When you decide special counsels suck, we'll decide that too. How's that for a deal? Okay. Double-barreled, you get it. Why do we need a special counsel? Well, I told you on, what was it, Monday's show? It's What is it, Thursday? I don't know, Monday or Tuesday. That it's awfully weird that Hunter Biden sent this email in September of 2017. That date is important. He sends an email to this office building where they're looking for an office for him, his dad, and Jill Biden. Dr. Jill Biden. Sorry. And they want keys for this office. And they're talking about who office, who the office mates are going to be. Sorry, folks. Mm. Yeah. So they're talking about who the office mates are going to be in this office. It, and he clearly says, Hunter Biden, in the September 2017 email, he says that office mates are going to be Joe Biden and the chairman of this company called CEFC, which is this Chinese company connected to the Chinese Communist Party. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that's bad enough. Yeah. But what was even worse, and I, you know, not to relitigate Monday's show, but this is important. What's even worse is now the potential, we'll see what happens here. I'm no one's conceding anything, not today, not tomorrow. And as Joe always says, next week doesn't look good either. Don't look good for me either. But we'll see what happens here. The potential next president of the United States was going to be office mates in September 2017 with a major figure from the Chinese Communist Party who was the chairman of a company called CEFC. Kind of weird, no? Maybe worth entertaining, not just on this show. So what's even weirder, as I pointed out on Monday, is that CEFC, this company, at the very same time in September of 2017, was working out a deal to try to purchase shares in a company called Rosneft. Rosneft, that sounds familiar. Wasn't that the company involved with Rosatom, which was the company involved with trying to buy our uranium, the Russian company in the Uranium One scandal? Exactly. That was the same company. Isn't that kind of strange? 
Again, not redoing Monday's show. I don't want to relitigate anything. I just think it's very important you understand the background here because the story gets complicated if you don't. In September of 2017, Joe Biden himself, in an email, was going to be office mates with a Chinese communist who was running a company trying to buy the Russian company or get in a business with them that was trying to buy our uranium in the Uranium One scandal. Joe, I need you as the audience on Buzzman. Well, yes. This is not me just unnecessarily relying on you for today. Is it very serious? Do you get that? Yeah, it makes walking, sense? Because if you don't get it, line. no one else. Yeah, we got it. We got it. Well, yeah. Very crooked line. Yeah. But the, con- the context here, and you can go back to Monday's show where I, I produce all the references you need. Mm-hmm. So this Russian company, Rosneft Rosatom, that had a deal there, were going to buy Uranium One, a Canadian company that wanted access to our uranium in the United States, and they were going to partner up with this Chinese company linked to Hunter Biden. Wouldn't it be really crazy if the Uranium One company and other companies involved in this deal, Rosatom and others, We're very interested in uranium, not just in the United States, but they were very interested in very uranium, voluminous uranium mines in Kazakhstan. That would be weird. I mean, okay, Hmm. not unusual, but if Kazakhstan has supplies of uranium, of course, they'd want to buy that too. Look at this New York Post article from a while ago. So again, keep in mind, I'm sorry, I don't mean to pound this over yet, but if you don't get it, I will feel like I've done you a disservice. Hunter Biden and his dad, office mates, Chinese company, Chinese company trying to buy Russia company, Russia company trying to buy our uranium, also interested in mines in Kazakhstan. Everybody get it? Look who Hunter Biden and his dad. This is one of those, well, looky here moments. Up here is, oh, we got to get to this first. A little background on this first. New York Times, in case you think we're making any of this up. This is when the New York, thank you for keeping me on track there because you know how I get flighty sometimes. This is before the New York Times understood Hunter Biden and his his dad was going to run for president and they were trying to do actual journalism because they didn't think there'd be any penalty for the Democrat party, you dig? So notice the date in this New York Times piece, Joe Becker, Mike McIntyre, 2015. They had no idea Joe Biden was going to run for president. So they were like, ah, who cares? This guy's painless. We can cover this guy and do actual journalism for once. New York Times, cash flowed to Clinton Foundation amid Russian uranium deal. Screenshot from this piece. Again, when they were doing real journalism in 2015, before they realized there'd be a penalty for real journalism for the Democrats, which means fake journalism took over. Beyond mines in Kazakhstan that are among the most lucrative in the world, the sale gave the Russians control, talking about the Uranium One deal, of one-fifth of all uranium production capacity in the United States. Since uranium is considered a strategic asset with implications for national security, the deal had to be approved by a committee composed of representatives for a number of U.S. government agencies. Amongst those agencies that eventually signed off was the State Department, then headed by Mr. Clinton's wife, Hillary Rodham Clinton. So again, in case you think, because you're a liberal watching my show, it's a conspiracy theory. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the New York Times' own reporting. They're your scions. They're your gods. They're your golden calf. You genuflect before them. The old gray lady reporting in 2015 before they realized Joe Biden was going to run for president. Nobody thought he would do it again. They thought he was too old. They were reporting honestly on the Uranium One deal. And they were saying, wow, this is awfully weird that the Russians want control of our uranium. And they're also looking heavily into Kazakhstan to buy uranium there as well. Check out this New York Post piece that luckily Paula stopped me because we had to do the New York Times first. Oh, look at this, Joe. Isn't this weird? Ebony Bowden, New York Post, back in October of 2020. Photo emerges showing Joe Biden's meeting, uh, Joe Biden meeting, Hunter's alleged business partners from, 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 from Kazakhstan. Oh. Mm. What? So. Yeah. So, come on. No, that's not, the batteries are, my system's not rebooting yet. That's for next week. Paula's laughing. She knows what that means. Definitely next week. Systems are definitely down for the, they're down for like three, four, this week, next week, this week, no, no, this is like, it's the other way, not this. But, so, again, forgive me if this is complicated because there are liberals. It's not for you conservatives, you're already getting it. So now Hunter Biden who wants keys to an office so his dad can be office mates with a Chinese company looking to do a deal with the Russian company, looking to buy our uranium in Kazakhstan mines. A photo emerges of Hunter Biden and his dad meeting with officials from Kazakhstan too. A new one. 
This Hunter Biden's got his tentacles everywhere. Isn't it amazing? Man. They have this crazy interest, Joe, in Kazakhstan all of a sudden. Yeah. You know, that has the uranium. You know, uranium, like a nuclear fuel you can use to like, yeah. like kill us and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. This guy could potentially be the next president of the United States. And his son seemingly has his tentacles in everywhere. Weird how that Uranium One deal, they wanted mines in Kazakhstan. And now Joe Biden and Hunter surface up in a picture with Kazakh officials as well. Really strange. Hmm. Now we get this little Gemma Ruski last night from Fox News, which will be in the show notes, by the way, that this letter is surfaced. Fox News. That Joe Biden's son, Hunter, sent an email. So we now have the email and we have the letter demanding that the $10 million payment from CEFC, the Chinese company where they wanted the chairman to be office mates with Joe Biden that was looking to buy the Russian company, looking to buy our uranium, that Hunter Biden in 2017 sent best wishes from the entire entire Biden family. Let me read that again, folks. Yeah. Hunter Biden in 2017, as this Chinese company is looking to buy the Russian company, looking to buy our uranium, we're getting a business deal with him. Hunter Biden sends best wishes to the company to the, from the entire Biden family. And what does he do at the end? That ah, little thing, Joe. He requests, uh, he requests a $10 million wire. Not that? a $1 million <laughs> wire. That's a one and a zero. One, zero, one, zero. Folks, uh, tell me again, please explain to me in rational, common sense, logical terms how this should not be a special counsel investigation right now. Do you understand? I'm, I'm, I don't want to sit on this topic all day because I got a lot to get to. I've got like six or seven stories and I'm getting bogged down with, with a lot of stuff. I have a lot to give you in an hour, but I'm going to sum this up here. We may have a president of the United States who is at this point almost unquestionably compromised by communists in the Chinese government who is in photos, email chains, and elsewhere with his son as well, involved with other countries as well, involved in the sale of our nuclear fuel to Russians. That a Chinese Communist Party official took an interest in the deal too. If there were, if the last name behind these people were Trump rather than Biden, um, you would see calls for, for, uh, for, for public trials right now. But the media give him a pass. Is the New York Times going to follow up on those Kazakh mines? The story about Hillary Clinton approving all that stuff? And her State Department? Why is Hunter Biden and Joe Biden in, officials with, uh, in photos with these Kazakh officials from Kazakhstan? Why? What was that about? Does anybody else outside of this show have any questions at all? All right. Let's move to beast mode time. Before I get to that, let me get to my second sponsor. I always appreciate your patience. Our sponsors love to be here. I love to talk to you and it keeps the show free. So we really appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, policy genius. This holiday season, we sure know, I, uh, this holiday season knows how to lighten your wallet. Every Right? <laughs> you look at your wallet after the holiday season, what? For many families, December is one of the most expensive months of the year, not to mention the busiest. If you need life insurance, but you don't want to deal with the hassle or expense, try policy genius. Policy Genius combines a cutting edge insurance marketplace with help from licensed experts to save you time and money. Right now, you could save 50% or more by using Policy Genius to compare life insurance. When you're shopping for a policy that could last for more than a decade, those savings really start to add up. Here's how it works super simple. First, head to policygenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much coverage you need and compare quotes from top insurers to find your best price. Who's better than you? Policy Genius will compare policies starting at as little as $1 a day. You might even be eligible to skip the in-person medical exam. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and red tape. And the best part is that they work for you, not the insurance company. So if you hit any speed bumps during the application process, they'll take care of everything. That kind of service has earned Policy Genius a five-star rating across over 1,600 reviews on Trustpilot and Google. If you have loved ones who depend on your income, don't go into 2021 without life insurance. Go to policygenius.com and get started. You could save 50% or more by comparing quotes and start the new year with one less thing to worry about. Go today. Policygenius.com, policygenius.com, policygenius.com. When it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. Thanks, Policy Genius. All right. Did you catch this video yesterday of Senator Ron Johnson? Johnson's gone 
absolute beast mode on Hunter Biden, which he should, because as I just said to you, Hunter Biden seemingly has his tentacles in every single country involved with buying our nuclear fuel. Kind of a bad thing, no? We really don't want to sell our nuclear fuel to enemies of the United States like Russia, especially when Chinese communists are involved who are office mates with Joe Biden. I'm just going to suggest that's probably not a good idea. I can almost guarantee if I took a poll of our studio audience of Joe and Paula, we'd get a three out of three, me, Joe and Paula. Terrible idea. No good. No bueno. Senator Johnson's been all over this. Therefore, the left hates him. So I suggest more of this as we go forward. Why we should be sitting back listening to hack Democrats and their media allies attack us with BS talking points every time. This is the new BS talking point, folks. The new BS talking point from the activists and the liberal media and their Democrats are every time we bring up something that's damning about the Bidens or the Democrats. What's the talking point, Joe? That's Russian disinformation. It's a conspiracy theory. They did it the whole time. Ron Johnson was ahead of this Hunter Biden story I just laid out for you about his suspicious business dealings with China months ago. And the media chimed in with, it's Russian disinformation. It's not Russian disinformation. It was real. Johnson's tired of it. He's tired of it as he should be. Quick video here. This is Ron Johnson calling out. It starts with hack leftist Senator uh, Gary Peters. Gary Peters goes after Johnson and Johnson just goes, flips. The gavel goes down, the chairman gavel, beast mode time. And ladies and gentlemen, we need more of this. I'm going to follow us up with an article at Kurt, uh, by Kurt Schlichter, which explains exactly what I mean by going beast mode, new rules time. Check this out. Mr. Mr. Chairman, I got to respond to that. I mean, you're saying I'm putting out Try. information. Well, one, I did, had nothing to do with this report. You, you lied repeatedly. I did not you lied this. repeatedly in the press that I was spreading Russian, dis, Russian disinformation. And that was an outright lie. And I told you to stop lying. And you continue to do it. Mr. Chairman, this is not about airing your grievances. I, know what, I don't know what rabbit hole you're running down. You right talked now. about you Russian disinformation. Senator Paul. This is simply not what we're Senator dealing Paul. with. Well, Mr. Chairman, you can't make these Judge false Starr. allegations and then drop it in there. That is why this Senator Paul. needs to return back Judge to its partisan things. This is, this, is, this is terrible what you're doing to this committee and all the great work that you talked about. It is what you have done to this committee. It is not Falsely the accusing the chairman of spreading disinformation. Nothing could have been further from the truth, and you're spouting it again, which is why I had it's to respond. This, oh, Senator come on. Paul. Mr. Chairman, Judge Storm. Judge, Judge Storm. This guy's a fraud, Gary Peters. He's always been a fraud. He jumps on TV, claims everything's Russian disinformation, has no evidence to back up that assertion at all, attacks the personal character of people like Ron Johnson, and then they want Robert's rule of order. Take Robert's rules of order and jam them up your caboose. I'm sorry. I don't know what battle you think we're fighting. And forgive me, folks. I'm not like trying to attack anyone in the audience here. But if you're one of... Let's just be candid. If you're one of those squishy Republicans who thinks if we're really nice to the Democrats, one day they'll see the light and think we're good people and vote for us and support us. I don't know where you got that idea from. Those days are over. They're not there anymore. They're gone. Social media, the 24 hour verified blue checkmark attack machine on social media has forget it. Those days are over. Those days are over. There was limited space in the Cronkite, Brokaw, David Brinkley days to discuss on the evening news attacks on Republicans. They only had a half an hour every night, right? The New York Times only had a limited front page. Twitter is a 24-hour attack machine. What I'm getting at here is we are never, listen to me, we are never going back to the old rules again. It is not going to happen. It is not our fault. We are principled conservatives. We believe everyone has big R, God-given rights. But if you're fighting according to the old rules, Don't attack the press. They buy ink by the barrel. Don't go after Democrats personally, even though they go after you personally, because one of these days people will understand that they're the bad guys and we're the good guys. You have grossly misinterpreted this situation. Johnson did what he had to do. Ron Johnson has been accused relentlessly of promoting Russian disinformation. That is an inaccurate, ridiculous, absurd focus group tested talking point that dopey Democrats fed to the media and they scooped it up, which allowed them to ignore the Hunter Biden story. And I've got a whole block on that next too. how the media does it with big tech. Do not miss that one. The new rules are in effect. For those of you who don't know the new rules and miss that show is one of our most viral shows ever. I'm sorry to keep bringing it up, but it's important. The new rules are this. We are in political trench warfare right now. And when you're in trench warfare, where there are existential threats to your freedoms to speak freely, I'm not kidding right now. People are being banned from Twitter. 
Facebook is falsely fact-checking things to depress their dissemination. Happened to us again yesterday with Facebook. When you have people talking about taking away your gun rights, your firearm rights, your right to practice your religion in church. Folks, this is happening right now. It's not a joke. Cancel culture, getting people fired from their jobs and bankrupted. Your life and the components of your life with which, which, which make you happy and put a smile on your face. Religion, your ability to defend yourself, to sit there and have a job and work productively are literally at threat. They're under threat right now. The old rules are out. The new rules are this. When you're in trench warfare with your political opponent and it's existential, do you worry about what the guy next to you, you know, tweeted to his girlfriend five years ago? No, you don't. You know what you worry about? The guy next to you firing down range when the enemy's coming at you. You can handle the formalities and the other stuff later. What I'm getting at is we are in political trench warfare now. And the moral and ethical totem pole rules we had before have to get scrapped because there's not going to be anything left. The, I'm very sorry we're here. I don't want to be here. As a big R, God-given rights, uh, God rights and a God-fearing conservative, I want to believe that one day we'll get back to a constitutional republic, but sadly it's evaporating before your eyes right now like a broken Alka-Seltzer tablet and a glass of water. And it brings tear to my, tears to my eyes to think about. There are some people who understand this fight and there are some people who don't. The never Trump Republicans, the squishy Republicans, the vichy Republicans who sell out, they really believe if you're just nice to the other side that they're somehow going to come and smoke a peace pipe with you. They won't. I've seen very few people get it as much as Kurt Schlichter. He has this piece up at Town Hall I'd really like you to read. And I agree with it. It headlines the entire premise, but I'll put up. Pardon everyone. Pardon everyone. Everyone. Gary Oldman. So what was that movie? The Professional I bring up all the time. I always get it. I always say The Specialist, but that's the Sylvester Stallone movie. The Professional, right? When he, but uh, he's the, he's the uh, MYP. We got, we, listen, I know, I don't know if we're allowed to use movies or not on the show. I don't know DMCA stuff, but we've got to get that. Joe, at least for a sounder. When the, he's the police mm. lieutenant and they're looking for these, this, uh, these people, uh, the assassin in the building. Yeah. When you go for everyone, lieutenant, everyone. <laughs> Pardon everyone. Pardon everyone. Dan, we can't do that. Some of these people might be guilty of process crimes. Did you hear what I said? You don't have to. Um, it's what I said. You don't have to take it seriously, but did you hear what I We're in a trench right now. I'm not worried about a process crime anymore. I'm worried about the Democrats weaponizing the justice system to come after not just process crimes people, but anybody associated with the Trump team. Pardon everyone. Everyone. Everybody gets a pardon. Everyone. From Kurt Schlichter, read this piece in the show notes today, Bungino.com slash newsletter. I get my mojo back a little bit, right? All right. All right. First half, we took a little breath. I was a little worried. Mm. Afraid the back of them is kicking in. Getting the mojo back here. Kurt is helping me. From his piece, Town Hall, Kurt Schlichter, talking about the pardons. It is just. It is right. And it's necessary to stymie the Democrat establishment's attempt to make examples of anyone opposing them. Amen, Brother Kurt. It goes on. Is this yet another norm that mean old Trump is overturning? You know, pardoning everyone? Hardly. Instead, it is a woke recognition of the new rules. Thank you, Kurt. He didn't steal that from me. Kurt and I are friends. The new rules the Democrats imposed, which they should now experience. <laughs> the Democrats should experience the new rules. <laughs> Suppository like. Well, pardon me. <laughs> hey, don't take this down. I know Paula, she likes for people to see my expressions on Rumble, but it's important. So Kurt wants them to experience the new rules. And I quote, Suppository like, and then he adds, good and hard. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Don't you dare. She likes me. How many innocent people went bankrupt after being caught up in the Russia hoax? Good question. Did they care? No, they didn't. So why should we worry about depriving them of their jollies? There might have been a time we were all playing by the rules that said that the feds would only investigate bad people and bring them to justice, where the innocent people were not pursued through process, nor punished through process. Excuse me. Those were the good times. But they are not these times. 
Amen, Brother Kurt. Pardon everyone. You like your new rules? Where you weaponize the Justice Department? Too suppository-like? Give it to anyone who was associated with the Trump team? Good and hard? Well, we'll just pardon everyone. See how that works out for you. I am 100% in support of that. And when the DOJ and the FBI and the Justice Department want to get back to investigating actual crimes and not political opponents, then we can return to Robert's Rules of Order. Until then, the new rules will remain in effect. Ladies and gentlemen, this block I have coming up next is very important. I read a story in the Wall Street Journal today, uh, yesterday, excuse me. I was going to cover this yesterday, but we got uh, that George Soros story just lit up the internet. Thanks for picking up my book, by the way, Follow the Money. We jumped like 2,000 spots in bookstore rankings yesterday. There's a whole chapter on Soros in my latest book, Follow the Money, and how he really is involved. It's very detailed and referenced widely. Check it out. Follow the Money. Pick it up. Thanks to everyone who picked it up yesterday. We were flying high. We were the number one book yesterday in like three different categories on Amazon. Um, uh, So thank you. I really appreciate it. Having said that, because of the length of the Soros story yesterday, I missed this block. But this story was in the Wall Street Journal. I'll get to it. And I want to point out first using Twitter how real election interference happened and how the so-called smartest among us, you know, Joe, the white paper crowd, the NGO crowd, the think tank crowd, Hmm. the, the, the mandarins, the bureaucrats, the, you know, the higher ups, the Mount Olympus of the intellectual aptitude up in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. how they're missing the threat to freedom in front of their faces while simultaneously writing op-eds in the World Street, Wall Street Journal about the same threat overseas. So you're missing the threat right here to write about a threat. I'll get to that in a minute. Let me get to my third sponsor. Here it is. Here it is. Gold in a bag. I'm not kidding. It's not gold. It's coffee beans, but it's gold to me because my wife's Colombian and we both love coffee. I more than her, even though I'm Italian, this is my new go-to. So they sent me a sample because here's the deal. I don't do products and we get a lot. Their show, we have the second most popular conservative podcast out there. So a lot of people want to advertise on the show. We have to check stuff out first. So I was like, send me the press house coffee. Paul and I'll sample it. And if it's good, I don't want it. What do you mean? If it's delicious, I'll take it. I love this stuff. This is their, what is this, Cup of Joe blend? This is their tavern blend right there. Which one do you like? Tavern? Paul is a tavern. I don't like the Cup of Joe blend. It's all good. It's Press House Coffee. How how, how did they start? They started by two guys. They love premium coffee. Not average coffee. They love premium coffee. But not the uppity culture, uppity culture around coffee. They want you to enjoy coffee like regular people. You don't have to wear a bow tie to drink their coffee. They offer premium hand-sourced coffees, resources that make it easier to grow your knowledge and love for coffee, and only our very favorite equipment and accessories. Their head roaster, Paul, personally sources each bean and creates a unique roasting profile to highlight its unique flavors. This stuff is no joke. Every bag is roasted to order, ground any way you like it. I like the beans because I got a Jura, grounds it up, I know, <laughs> and shipped to you within 72 hours for peak freshness. Unique, delicious blends like blueberry muffin mm, with vibrant blueberry notes and comforting flavors of fresh baked goods or key lime pie blend. You want to have like 20 cups of that a day with notes of invigorating lime, warm vanilla, and graham cracker crust your mouth watering right now, are created with no added flavors. Just carefully selected coffees from around the world. Whether you're looking for the best cup of familiar diner-style coffee you've ever had, or you want to be amazed by the wild, fruity notes coffee's capable of, you'll find something you'll absolutely love. Get 20% off your first order by using promo code Bongino at checkout. Go to presshousecoffee.com slash Bongino. Use their roaster's choice makes a great, fantastic holiday gift. Send yourself some too because you're going to love it. Then go drink coffee by your neighbor's house when they send them the roaster's choice. I'm not kidding. Send it to your neighbor. Try the roaster's choice. It makes a great holiday gift. Go to presshousecoffee.com slash Bongino for 20% off your first order with code Bongino. Presshousecoffee.com slash Bongino. 20% off your first order with code Bongino. Promise you're going to love this stuff. Feedback so far has been amazing. Okay. Let's get back to this very serious story about um, election interference and how our, you know, when I say serious, I mean it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's an existential freedom and liberty crisis right now going on in our country. 
churches being attacked, your right to defend yourself being attacked, your very right to exist in our entire supposedly capitalistic free market business system is under attack by cancel culture, where authors can't write, people can't go to work if they had a Facebook post about Trump. It's an absurdity. Here's the real election interference. Big hat tip, uh, Logan Hall. Um, I uh, He put this out on his Twitter account, which I retweeted for him. He produced some headlines showing you just, this headlines speak for themselves. I don't need to add. Let's just go through them one by one. Let's start with NPR and you'll see where the real election interference was. NPR headline, October 14, 2020. That was before the election. Facebook and Twitter limit sharing New York Post story about Joe Biden. We all know about that. The Hunter Biden fiasco was suppressed by people like Facebook and Twitter. NPR was more than happy to cover that. So then when they deemed the penalty for publishing the Hunter Biden story before the election, the penalty being what, Armacost, that they may lose votes if Hunter Biden and the Biden crime family were exposed. Mm. Once they felt like that timeline had passed and they could safely use it, this is what happened. Let's go to Wall Street Journal. Twitter then unlocks the New York Post account after two weeks standoff. Two weeks was enough time, Joe, for the story they thought to die down. So then they said, okay, we'll just unlock a major mainstream media news outlet like the New York Post. So block a bad Hunter Biden story, total election interference, give it two weeks to dissipate, and then we'll unlock you. We'll pretend we did the bit. We will. We should be beatified and sainted because it was so nice that we did that. Here's a Fox story about who works at Twitter and Facebook that blocked the Hunter Biden story. Fox News published December 15, 2020. Top Facebook Twitter execs donated tens of thousands of dollars to the Trump campaign. Just kidding. The Biden campaign, of course. No Facebook executive. No. Let me read the subheadline again. No Facebook or Twitter executives were found to have donated to the Trump's uh, to Trump's campaign. None. For the liberals watching the show or listening, that's a zero. That means the absence of value. I think the Greeks did they discover zero? The absence there were, were none. They couldn't find any. Let's go to Twitter, which has now decided that retweets are now back. You can now retweet on Twitter. Twitter. We're switching back. You can now choose to retweet or quote tweet the way you did before. Before what, Joe? Yeah. Before the election, where you may say if you're watching my show and you're not Twitter savvy, which you shouldn't be because Twitter sucks, use Parler instead, which I am an investor in because I hate Twitter and can't stand them and I use it to promote Parler. Why did Twitter stop allowing you to retweet or share stuff on their platform before the election? Because they were afraid Donald Trump, given his dominance on social media and Twitter, would actually retweet stuff that would go viral and hurt the Democrats. Now that the election's over and they think they've won, Joe, all of a sudden, retweets are back. How about that? They're back, kids. They're back. How about that? How about that? When our 1980s uh, Chuck Woolery uh, game show was. (laughs) Or Wink Mar. How about that? (laughs) That's that, that's that girl, too, from the Dr. Phil show. People hate when I bring that up. Here's our buddy, Drew, producer Drew. This is not a joke. Drew is our video producer. We'll be seeing a lot more of him in the future. Drew has a radio show up on the uh, West Coast of Florida. He's a morning host, and after the morning show, he does our show. He does the video production. You go, he's Drew Steele. So Drew has a YouTube account where he rebroadcasts segments on YouTube of his radio show. Well, Drew got this little gem from YouTube. This is an actual screenshot. Yeah, they took down one of his videos. They think it violates their spam or deceptive practices and scams policy. (laughs) What was the video? The Supreme Court's dodge on the 2020 election, plus vaccines and data breaches. They just told Drew, double barrel, middle finger, we're basically going to pull your stuff down. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the real election interference. How does that move into this next segment? So now that we've established the baseline of how big tech interfered in this election, it's very important to discuss how the threat is in front of our faces and is being ignored by people who could stop it. And when I say the threat, I want to be very clear about what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the threat to free speech. If you don't have free speech and the right to speak and profess your beliefs openly, ladies and gentlemen, you have a totalitarian society. Our worst fears would come true. Big tech is assisting in the battle to shut you up. 
That goes into my next article, the Wall Street Journal article I've been talking about, how the white paper crowd and the think tank crowd and the NGO crowd, the non-governmental organization crowd, you know, Joe, the smart people, how they manage to see threats everywhere all over the world, but they miss what's right in front of their face, this big threat uh, that I just got, this big threat from big tech that I just got done talking about. Here's a Wall Street Journal piece by Anders Fogg Rasmussen. That's a very impressive name. He was the NATO Secretary General, clearly an important human being here, Anders Fogg Rasmussen. He says a new way to lead the free world in a Wall Street Journal opinion piece. The the authoritarian tide has risen, but a global alliance of democracies would help turn it back. So Anders Fogg Rasmussen is very concerned about the authoritarian streak brewing overseas. What about the authoritarian streak here? So what example does he use? He uses a very interesting example from the piece. He says, now he's talking about tech. This is fascinating. This is Anders Fogg Rasmussen in the Wall Street Journal. He's talking about the threat from tech, how it can help. Keep this up for a second. How big tech and technology can help authoritarian regimes like China and North Korea suppress their people and their ability to speak freely and take away their freedoms. I'll quote from the piece. He says, It's that last topic, tech, that poses an existential challenge for democracies. He's not wrong. He says the world is in a figurative technological arms race. Whoever wins that race will lead in setting rules, standards, and norms for emerging technological systems, from facial recognition to weapons of war. If China wins the race, freedom will wane. So he's worried about China. Let me sum that up for you. Basically using advances in facial recognition technology to with their China's the largest surveillance state in the world. They have cameras everywhere to use that technology to pinpoint exactly where you are at any given point to be able to track you to do what? They're not looking to track you ladies and gentlemen, the Chinese government to hand you some kind of a welfare stimulus check. The Chinese communists are looking to track you because if you speak out against the Chinese communists, they want to send you to the gulag. And wouldn't it be really easy, Joe, to send you to the gulag if they knew where you were at all times? Because I can't send Joe to the gulag mm-hmm. if I don't know where Joe is. So what's really weird is Anders Fogg Rasmussen, very impressive name, is very concerned about the abuse of big tech and tech technology and AI and stuff to suppress free speech, to suppress dissidents in China, how China will use the technology to take people who speak freely against the Chinese government and ship them to the gulag. But they don't seem to be at all concerned about the abuse of big tech here. Tearing down videos, blocking people from Facebook, censoring the president of the United States' speech. To do the exact same thing minus the gulag. Thankfully, Joe, up until this point, YouTube doesn't have a YouTube gulag. Who knows? I don't know anybody's big plans, but there's no gulag now, thankfully. But they are doing the same thing on the speech suppression front. There's no doubt. Mm Mm-hmm. I just showed you Drew's thing. They literally deleted his video. It does not exist now on a platform for people who want to see it. What's the difference? Minus the gulag, please tell me what the difference is between China abusing tech to shut up people from speaking out about the communists in China. I'm waiting. We'll give it a second. I can't use the Jeopardy sounder, but I'd love to. Think about it. What's the difference? Big tech here silencing people who say things they don't like and big tech in China using technology to shut people up in China. The only difference is we don't have the gulags yet. Why? Not why don't we have the gulags, but why is the left silent here? Why are liberals on the left and big government smart people, NGO types, white paper types, think... uh, because that's all they do is they write up white papers. Look at this, this brilliant white paper. Think tight, think tankers. Why are they so blind to this threat in front of their faces that if this continues, ladies and gentlemen, we are going down the China path. I wanted to write it down because it's an important segment. I don't want to, it's a very serious segment. I want to mess around. And I hate teleprompters. Why is the left blind to this? Number one, because folks, I hate to tell you, I'm not talking about everyone on the left. I'm talking about the radicals who want you suppressed and want you pulled off YouTube. 
and want you attacked and fired from your job? The cancel culture people. Why do they enjoy that? Because they do. Because they're mercenary, vengeful people. Don't ever, ever forget the Dan Bongino golden rule of politics. If you don't understand this rule, you're listening to the wrong show. Conservatives think liberals are people with bad ideas. Copy? Liberals think conservatives are bad people with ideas. That is an axiomatic truth. Don't ever forget that. The reason we go, and listen, we get personal sometimes too, but we don't disrespect their God-given rights. No credible conservative I know, and you should never, if you are, I'm sorry, but it's suggesting that the press should all be put in jail for reporting stupid things. I believe in the God-given right to a free press. That right includes, Joe, their ability to act like morons, and they take us up on the offer all the time. Mm-hmm. But their credibility is zero. I mean, it's not like they're winning that fight. You just take polls and ask, but do you trust, trust the press? 90% of Republicans are like, no, we don't. They're not winning that fight. But they're free, and they should remain free to be stupid. Liberals don't feel that way about you. Why are they blind to the threat to freedom right here at home? And so attentive to the threat to freedom in China, North Korea, and elsewhere? Because number one, they enjoy it. They enjoy. They, I am not kidding. They think you are bad people. This is not a joke. I'm not talking about all Democrats. I'm not talking about everyone in the media. And I'm not stereotyping every liberal. The radical portion of the left, it's an unfortunately growing portion of the party, the AT, uh, oh, excuse me, Antifa, BLM crowd, and all the people who associate with them, want to see you punished. Literally punished, not figuratively. Lose your job, your income, humiliated on social media for being a conservative. Now you see why Schlichter's peace is the right one. Pardon everyone. They will put all of you in jail tomorrow. They are blind to the threat over uh, here while paying attention to the threat overseas because number one, they can use big tech here to punish you and they think it's great. But the second part of this is more important. They don't think cancel culture is ever going to come for them. So they don't see any penalty. Ah, China, yeah, they do their thing. We'll never be like China. Remember, we're just attacking conservatives and canceling them now. They are absolutely convinced this threat will never wind up on their doormat at their front door. Folks, I'm telling you, this is the... History has borne this out. And I'm begging you, I'm, 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 to the liberals who listen to my show, I'm not kidding. This is not hyperbole. I am begging you, please, this, consent, this continued insistence on the cancel culture road of using big tech to silence your conservative enemies, because you consider us enemies, will definitely come for you. This is mandatory. So everybody keeps asking me to put together a book list. I'll give you a few right now. Conflict of Visions, Thomas Sowell, Vision of the Anointed, two great ones. Maybe we'll do that on the website one day. Um, we have some real great tech coming for, but I, I, I get that. I get asked though, but here's another one. And this is about this specific topic. If you have any doubts to the leftists listening and to the college kids who are on the fence about being a conservative or a liberal, you're not really sure yet, you're independent. Read the book In the First Circle by Solzhenitsyn. I love Solzhenitsyn. I've talked about his books all the time. Solzhenitsyn is one of the great thinkers of our time. He exposed the Soviets like, uh, <laughs> like no human being on the planet. Timeless author. There's a book he has. It's, it's been around for a while. It's not obviously new, um, but it's called In the First Circle. Mandatory reading, folks, and especially if you're a liberal. What's the book about? Without going through the whole thing, I'm going to just give a brief summary. It's about how in the Soviet Union, once they instilled this sense of totalitarianism and fear, how the people who thought they were on the right side, like the liberals think they're on the right side now, they're like, oh, no, no, we're just going to cancel conservatives. They'll never come for us. We're their friends. Friends. So did some of the academics in the Soviet Union. They thought that too. They thought, oh, Stalin won't come for us. We were the academics who believed in communism. We were the ones who told the population, communism's great, just like the papers tell us that now about socialism in the United States. Well, what happened? The thing about totalitarianism is, as Lord Acton has said, another axiomatic truth is power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. 
So what happened to the academics who told the people in the Soviet Union how great communism was going to be? They found themselves in jail, too. They were the Zeks. Z-E-K-S. And when they found themselves in the gulags, what the Soviet, what Stalin did to the academics who had previously supported him, when they found themselves in the gulags, what they did to the Zeks, the Soviets, was awful. They put them in gulags that were the conditions. Follow me, Joe. If it doesn't make sense, I, I, stop me. They put them in gulags. They were the conditions were better than the Siberian gulags, if you get what I mm-hmm. mean. They got three, four solid meals because what did Stalin need? They were the academics and the smart people. So even though they were imprisoned in gulags, he wanted to make sure he could get some work out of them. Mm. So he didn't want them to be starving to death or beat the snot out of them every day. So they were in... We'll call them the good gulags, if there are good gulags. And he told the Zeks, I'm going to use your academic skills to find these other traitors out there, academics. So he made the Zeks analyze like spectrographs and other things. So when they got wiretaps of other academics who were talking about Stalin and didn't say nice things, some of their friends would be who had expertise in this, would have to identify their friends who were talking on the phone, who then later got locked up. Eventually, these academics said, we're not going to do that anymore. We're not going to let you imprison our friends and use us to do it. In the first circle, it's a reference to um, Dante. Remember that. Eventually, they come for you and they force you to turn your friends over. Ladies and gentlemen, the answers are in the history books. You just got to read them. It's a powerful, powerful, powerful book. And it'll frighten you forever. And that's why you get emotional about the topic a bit. That's why, even though I have a heavy financial interest in two companies who are competitors to YouTube and Parler, I mean, uh, YouTube and uh, Twitter, excuse me, with Parler and Rumble, I have committed to even liberals listening. You, it's a free platform for you too. That doesn't make some people happy. Like, Dan, don't let those idiots on there. No, ladies and gentlemen, free speech matters. Even stupid free speech. I will never go down that in the first circle route ever. We're like, well, we'll only suppress the people we don't like because eventually the suppression and the gulags come for you too. All right. Um, let me get to my last sponsor. And then on the other side of this, listen, I don't want to wear you down with the Milton Friedman videos. I'm sorry. I'm the last one for the week, I promise. But they're so good. And I, the economic stupidity in the media has been just endless. And no one says it better than Friedman. So I, again, another axiomatic truth is, and this is not my quote. It's from, a, I, I heard it at the Leap Foundation. I should do some charitable work there for them. Don't try to create mediocrity. Replicate genius. So if Friedman says it best, just play Friedman. It's the easiest way. You okay there with the Klikorowski there? We love the new technology, folks, but the Klikorowski's given Paul, Paul, you got to come over. People, I swear, I think people think you don't exist. She's got this new clicker to get over the edge. You're not going to want to miss this Friedman video next because it's so, Joe saw it. It's good, right, Joe? Oh, Isn't yeah. Friedman the yeah. best? Yeah. He said the classic. I promise though, it's not, not going to be like a Friedman section of every show. It's just, I'm obsessed with economics and the last few days, given that I can't leave my house because of the chemo, all I do is watch Friedman videos all day. My favorite thing to do. Folks, today's show also brought to you by friends at Stamps. They have saved us, stamps.com. I am not kidding. This holiday season, more people will be mailing stuff than ever before. That means the post office is going to be packed and busy. You don't have time for that. Who has time for that? Stamps.com brings the post office and now UPS shipping right to your computer, right there. Mail and ship anything from the convenience of your home and office or office plus stamps or home and office stamps.com saves you money with deep discounts. You can't even get at the post office. Stamps.com brings you the services of the U S postal service and UPS right to your computer. Whether you're a small office sending out invoices, an online seller fulfilling orders during this record breaking holiday season, or even a giant warehouse sending thousands of packages a day, stamps.com can handle it with ease. You just use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. Can it get any simpler? Once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or drop it off. It's that simple. Don't waste money. Don't waste time. Makes no sense. 
With stamps.com, you get five cents off every first class stamp and up to 40% off priority mail and up to 62% off UPS shipping rates. This is a no-brainer. Not to mention, it's a fraction of the cost of those expensive uh, postal meters. It saves you time and money. Don't spend a minute of your holiday season at the post office this year. Sign up for stamps.com instead. There's no risk. With my promo code DAN, my first name, D-A-N, you get a special offer. It includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. You're going to love it. There are no long-term commitments or contracts. They don't need them. Once you get it, you're never going to go back again. You're going to love it. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in DAN. At stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and enter DAN, D-A-N. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Okay. Okay. Back to Friedman. So again, not trying to wear you out with the Friedman videos, but I saw this article in the Wall Street Journal, which Paula swore I would never get to. Um, I mentioned it a bit yesterday. Again, it's about this phantom multiplier. The left is obsessed with this John Maynard Keynes economic theory, decades old. It's called Keynesian economics. Um, It's the one, um, remember AOC screwed up in the video? But she couldn't figure it out because she, she, it's AOC. AOC, who actually has a, a college degree in economics, has no idea who Keynes is, by the way. But John Maynard Keynes, his whole Keynesian economic theory is a foundation of leftist economics. I'll sum it up very simply, and this is extremely simply. Basically, government spending can fill a hole when the private economy is in some kind of recession or depression. It's a lot more complicated than that, but that's the essence of it. It's nonsense. It's never worked. It won't ever work. But one of the theories embedded in Keynesian economics is this theory of the multiplier, that the government can spend money and it multiplies throughout the economy, which is ridiculous because the government has to take money from people to multiply it, which means it's dividing money to multiply it, which means, which means ordinarily that would net out to zero, Right. Well, it's even worse because the government, as it does it, takes a cut for itself, which I showed that Friedman video yesterday. Here's a Wall Street Journal piece it talks about. I encourage you to read it. I don't put it in the show notes because Wall Street Journal is subscription only. But if you choose and you have a subscription, you can just put this in a search engine and check out the story yourself. You didn't think I was going to get to it, did you? She, I totally do. You don't have it, do you? Do you have it? She, I love this woman at that. A stimulus dollar is only a dollar by the great. Folks, and I mean, this guy's pieces in the Wall Street Journal are spectacular. I can't say enough about him. Andy Kessler, he's so good. So readable, too. Some people are thinkers and they can't write. Not him. He's a thinker who can write. He talks about this dreaded multiplier making a comeback. Remember, the multiplier is simply this. If the government takes your money and then goes and spends it on other people, it'll dramatically multiply into more money, which is, if that sounds stupid to you, that's because it is. From the piece. He says, uh, labor statistics data shows that from May through July, when unemployment benefits were high, job openings surged. As the Journal reported, employers complained they were having trouble rehiring workers. Once the benefits expired in August, job openings fell for the first time since the start of the pandemic. This certainly because wasn't because the economy was faltering. Third quarter gross domestic product surged at 33% annualized rate. The warnings from the CBO and Krugman were all wrong, even as the bonus benefits were cut in half, retail sales. Uh, retail sales increased 3% July to October. That's actually the wrong quote from the other article about the stimulus benefits. Totally busted on the air, but it's okay. We'll get to the multiplier stuff another time because we're going to be short on time. (laughs) That's the wrong one, right? She's putting a hand on the head motion right there. Still, it doesn't matter. It's okay. That was another Wall Street Journal article. That's not the Kessler piece, but here's the thing. Don't, Don't even worry about the other one because he says the same thing. That piece was about the unemployment benefits that were above what people were making when they went back to work. In other words, the theory that the government can give you more money than you were going to make in the private sector and somehow stimulate the economy. How are you going to stimulate the economy if you are literally paying people not to work? You get what I'm saying, Joe? I'll pay you more as the government to not do stuff is not a way to stimulate the economy. Now, to the Friedman video. Last one for the week. I can't make any promises. I see a good one today's come back tomorrow, but I'll try. Here's Milton Friedman again, where some kind of semi-leftist gets up. He's a smart guy. And he asks Friedman the most ridiculous question I've ever, it's like a 15-part question. But the guy says to Milton Friedman, hey, listen, the government spending money, which I just told you is nonsense. If you pay people not to work, they'll do this crazy thing like not work. And if they don't produce stuff, you won't have stuff to use. Does that make sense? If we pay people in the medicinal healthcare industry to not work and produce vaccines, you won't have vaccines. 
Because ladies and gentlemen, goods and services are what make us wealthy. You can't pay people not to build homes and then wonder why everybody's homeless. So this guy asked Friedman, he goes, hey, I got an idea. He goes, the government should take more of people's money because when the government confiscates 40% of people's money, if you're laughing when I say this, this was an actual question. Watch Friedman's answer. Joe, listen to the logic here. The guy goes, if the government takes 40% of people's money, then those people have to work harder to get that money back. Friedman's got to be sitting there like, huh? Listen to his answer to that stupid question. This this guy's the best. Love it. Can't say it any better. Take the extreme case. That that 40% is being used just to have people uh, uh, sit around. The fact that they spend their money doesn't alter the situation. The only product there is is what the 60% produce. And that 60% is divided among the 100%. If those 40% are also producing goods, then there are more goods to go around among everybody. You are just involved in a fallacy of looking at dollars, which is important sometimes, instead of looking at the real product, the goods and services that people produce and people consume. Spending isn't good. What's good is producing. What we want to have is more goods and services. And as I say, the obvious indication that that's clear is that if your logic were right, it would apply it for 50%, 60%, 70 90 98 100%. And obviously, you would see that that would be a bunch of nonsense at that stage. It is desirable to have some money spent by government for those things, those services, that we believe we can get more usefully and more effectively through government. If people are getting their money's worth, fine. That's why it's very desirable to have governmental expenditures take place at as local a level as possible. Because you, as a citizen of a small community, can judge whether you're getting your money's worth. You can decide that you want to spend it. But when it comes to the federal government, you tend to think that you're spending somebody else's money. And you are, in a way. But he's spending yours. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, again, I've repeated that line by Friedman so many times. You understand why this man, again, I can't say enough, changed my life. God rest his soul. You hear that line at the end? Joe, how many times have we used that oh, on the show? The many, joke many. of government spending is you think you're spending your neighbor's money. Yes. But he thinks the same thing. Did you hear his point in the beginning? Ladies and gentlemen, this is critical. This is tautological when you think about it. The guy's point is if the government is 40% of the economy, so 40% of people are employed by the government and they take away the money from the 60% and spend it on others, that that's productive. This was the liberal guy's point, because as we take the 40% away from the population, they'll have to work harder to get their money back. So Friedman says, so he makes two points. His first point is an obvious one. Well, if stealing people's money is the government makes them work harder, why not take it all? (laughs) Right, Joe? Why take 40? Mm -hmm. Take 98%. They'll work really hard to get all their money back. And right, I mean, it's just rational. If that point was rational, it's not. Then it makes even more sense to steal everybody's money all the time. Of course, that's ridiculous. When you take people's money, it does the opposite. It disincentivizes them to work. Why? Because they're working to pay someone else, not themselves. Did this this liberal, I would have played the video guy, the guy's question, but I wanted the clip manageable. It would have been like five minutes long. The guy goes on with this super long question. That obviously makes no sense. Working for someone else does not incentivize, if you're not getting paid, you to work harder. It incentivizes you to work less because you're not reaping any of the benefits. But his second point is critical. If 40% of the population is working in the non-productive productive sector. And I don't mean non-valuable, but I mean non-productive sector in the government. We have extremely valuable sectors like our military, our court system. But what I mean is non-productive, meaning they're not value-added activities. They're not creating businesses. The government doesn't do that. If 40% of our society is, t- is in government and is taking and taking and taking, then who is left to produce all the medicines, the homes, the cars, the computers, the phones, the pens, the Kenny Bells, the gavels? Who's producing all the stuff to need to make us wealthy? Not 100% of society, but you have 60% working to support everyone. 
because the other 40% are out. They're working for government and taking all the money out of the system. Did you catch that second point he made? The takeaway is production matters, not spending. Don't get lost in government spending. Spending is irrelevant. You can print money. The facial value of money doesn't mean anything if there's no value behind it. Do you get what I'm saying? That it's what a society produces, not what it spends that makes it wealthy. If you don't have a society of people producing homes and medicines and food and microphones, building it, literally building it, and the services that support it, the IP, the intellectual property that designed this RE20 microphone and this fancy iPhone, if you don't have those productive people doing it and you siphon them off to go and work for government in non-value-added activities, you don't have any products, ladies and gentlemen. We're back in the Stone Age. It's not spending that makes us wealthy. Stimulus from the government is not stimulus at all. It's production that makes us wealthy. And going back to that article, Paula put up, even though it was a mistaken piece, when you pay people more money than they'd make to work and produce stuff, to not produce stuff, you have a society that's slowly bankrupting itself no matter what you spend because you're not producing anything. Friedman was a genius. What did I have? Did I have some more stuff? I did. Breitbart and this other thing. I had the DeSantis video. All right, I'll play that tomorrow. Hey, just a quick update. So yesterday I mentioned the idea of doing a charity book signing for some restaurant friends of mine that are struggling. I think we've added a new location in Maryland too. So we're going to do this. Now here's the thing. Here's how it's going to go down because we got tremendous audience feedback. I need a favor from you. We got so many emails. You're like, Dan, I will totally be there. Here's how I want to work this. I got to wait for the restaurants and stuff to open up because I don't want Cuomo to target these people when we go up there and then find them out of business. That doesn't do them any good. But I have two friends that are, their businesses are dying. They're very close friends. I spoke to them yesterday on the phone. They're in New York. There's one location in Queens and one location in Westbury, Long Island. We're going to do it. It's probably going to be around maybe March or April when the vaccine stuff and, you know, and everybody can open up. We're going to do a book signing. I'm going to grossly overcharge you for the book. I'm buying the books. It's all charity. Every, all, all, not my, all proceeds are going to go to the servers and the waiters in the restaurant. All you got to do is show up, make the books like 50 bucks if you're cool with it. Every dollar. I'm going to buy the books. I still have to buy my own books. I don't get them for free. All proceeds are going to go to the waiters, the cooks, everything in these two places because they deserve it. And I'm doing, folks, again, I can't, I wish I could help everyone. I'm limited. You know, we, we helped Jackson, North Carolina, the tattoo place, you know, Ian up in uh, the gym. I wish I could, but I, I have another friend too in Maryland who has another restaurant. I don't know this restaurant, but they're struggling too. So we're going to do that in Maryland too. So we'll make the books like 50 bucks, which granted is a little expensive for a book, but all the proceeds will go, go in, eat, Sit out at the restaurant, whatever we'll do. We'll give you a number. I'll, we'll sign a book. We'll chat. We'll take selfies, whatever you want to do. I will pay for everything. I'm going to throw in a couple G's myself for everybody. And we're going to make sure that the, waiter, the waiters and the, and the, and the, and the servers and the, and the bartenders are all taken care of. All I ask is you show up. Let's pack these places. If we can get four or 500 people like we got at the book signing I did on Long Island, great. The difference is I made money off that one. This one's not about me. This is about them. We got to give back. I've had a great year thanks to you, and I, I can't sit back and watch these folks struggle. They're friends. I can't. You got to do stuff, man. Talk is cheap. The action matters. Hey, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Please subscribe to my show on Rumble. It's all free. It's our video channel, alternative to YouTube, rumble.com slash Bongino. We are way past our YouTube subscribers now, closing in on a million. And use BonginoReport.com for your morning news. Dump drudge. They dumped us a long time ago. Traffic was crazy yesterday at Bongino Report. So thanks a lot. BonginoReport.com. I'll see you all tomorrow. You just heard Dan Bongino.